after I heard the footsteps, I knew that something was up. So I grabbed my recorder, went upstairs, spent 10 minutes asking questions, and then I was absolutely stunned to have picked up a woman's voice. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Boyd Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Craig Owens, who really took his life down an interesting path. Craig is really interested in history and he has a background in photography and uh, various video set related things in Los Angeles and in Hollywood. And he got really interested. uh, He'll tell the story of how he got interested in this, but he got really interested in old historic haunted hotels, specifically those in the greater Los Angeles area, since he's really interested in the history of that area. So he went down this long winding path of making this beautiful, amazing book called Haunted by History. Um, It's part of his larger project called Bizarre Los Angeles, where he explores uh, different things about uh, old Los Angeles and uh, some of the more like obscure historical things about Los Angeles. Um, But so anyways, this book, Bizarre Los Angeles, that he made, he basically went to these hotels. uh, He went to eight different hotels, Hotel Del Coronado, Victorian Rose Bed and Breakfast, Julian Gold Rush Hotel, Mission Inn and Spa, Alexandria Hotel, Wynnum Garden, Pierpoint Inn. Banning House Lodge and Glen Tavern Inn, in case you want to stay in any of these haunted hotels. Um, he went to hotels, uh, sort of did some research on the evidence that was available for whether or not they were haunted, and he rented out multiple rooms there, stayed there for a while um, to kind of check in on any of this evidence himself and see if he experienced any sort of haunting phenomena. And more importantly, he hired models and actors and actresses and set up these beautiful, beautiful photo shoots, um, sort of recreating some of the, uh, the hauntings that have gone on there, like showing some of the uh, the people from the whatever it was, like the 20s or the 30s or something, walking through these halls when they were still alive or like possibly as an apparition. And the photos themselves are, for lack of a better word, haunting. They're incredibly beautiful and so well done and like very period appropriate. Like they all look like they were actually taken in like the 1920s or something. And uh, so it's really cool rather than just have a historical book about these uh, various hauntings and the history of these hotels, of these very historical hotels, he accompanies it with his skill set of photography and takes these beautiful pictures throughout the book with the uh, characters in question and talks about you know why they might be haunting the hotel. So it's it's really a, a photo book of sorts, but a, a very large photo book. Um, as an aside, uh, for the 15 days after this episode airs, Craig is being nice enough to offer $10 off of the book to listeners of Half Hour Interns. So if you go to his website, which is Bizarre Los Angeles, um, it's bizarrela.com. You can go to the store. If you add the book to your cart, just use coupon code half hour intern and you can get $10 off this amazing, amazing book that uh, that Craig has made. So anyways, without further ado, here is Haunted Hotel Photographer. Craig, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you, Blake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you do a lot of work 
in history. You're really interested in history. Let's talk a little bit about your history. I would love to know, like, if you could take us back, what got you interested in history and particularly, I guess, like the type of history that you're interested in and that you enjoy, because I find that most people that I meet that are really interested in history are interested in like World War Two and World War One and like a lot of European history and or maybe like Civil War American history and things like that. I've never met many people that are interested in like the type of history that you're into. So what what kind of made that all come about? Well, my history or my love of history isn't that unusual. Uh, it, it really is based in old Hollywood, my love for old Hollywood. That's that's the seed where it kind of all started. I was born in West Texas in a, uh, I can't say a small town, but it had a kind of a small town mentality. Uh, it was Odessa, Texas. And growing up there in the 70s and in the 80s, it was mostly surrounded, I was mostly surrounded by mid-century modern architecture, and there was really no sense of history there. So when my parents moved to the Deep South, and when I was still a child, there I got turned on to Civil War history. And there was a sense of everything being old, and there were legends, uh, ghost legends and whatnot, as well as uh, some pretty bizarre tales of certain battles. And I remember going to Franklin, Tennessee and being uh, as a child, and I was very taken back by the history of this place, which was seldom written about. And so I, I, I kind of like the history that came about and isn't isn't really discussed that much. There's a lot of little gems and little nuggets of information in uh, locations like that. So I guess that kind of fostered it, it inside me as a child. Now, the paranormal thing, uh, I've always been interested, uh, especially growing up in the Deep South. Uh, there were always ghost legends and antebellum homes and civil war legends and a lot of that is all bundled together so a lot of docents or a lot of tour guides or even property owners when questioned will break down and answer those kinds of questions uh in a in their own way sometimes modest sometimes flamboyant um but the old hollywood legends Still are very strong in Los Angeles, despite the fact that the city itself is changing rapidly, you know, every year. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's really cool for you to be interested in the history of more. Um, I mean, not that Hollywood is a completely normal place, but but like you were talking about growing up in the South and then like going to Tennessee and stuff and wanting to know the history of stories that aren't told very much. So I grew up in, in Southern California, like just in the greater Los Angeles sprawl. And there's really like an absence of historical identity in a lot of places like that. You know, like as you get further west, um, nothing feels very historical. Um, you don't see historical things day to day. And yet, clearly, there is some history there. <laughs> like if you wanted to find it out, you can research it and find it out. And that's pretty cool to try to find the historical context for a small uh area that no one's really talking about as opposed to, yeah, just, just being interested in civil war history or something like that. Well, yeah, I can't, yeah. You know, we moved 
when I was a preteen, we moved back to Texas and back to my birthplace. Now, you know, Augusta didn't really feel like it was a historical place because it really boomed in the 1940s and 1950s. And so, you know, when you're growing up in the 1970s and 1980s, mid-century modern was not considered cool and it wasn't considered historic like it is today. Right. Now you can go back to Odessa and you can kind of see the, some of the old signage and you go, oh, wow, you, you have a sense of history. You know, as a little hayseed from Texas, Los Angeles was brimming with history, not like the little area where I came from, which was just an, an oil boom town, you know, that, that sprung up in the 1940s and 1950s. Um, so Los Angeles was, was great. Let's talk about your photography and the the style of photography that you do. So you do these amazing like vintage style photo shoots in these historic places um, and often places that are are supposedly haunted. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the I guess logistics behind doing these photos? They they are amazing. Like they look so cool and it looks so much like a photo that was actually taken at the time. Um, so I guess talk to us about like the the setup for a shoot like that, getting the clothes right, getting like the makeup correct on the actors and actresses, um, and then what type of editing you have to do afterwards to try to get these photos to look period appropriate at all. Okay, well, again, all of this stems from my love for old Hollywood and silent films. So I wanted, you know, thematically, I try not to repeat myself when possible. So uh, I do want every picture to kind of tell a story. So I, I, I love having more than one model in the shot and they're doing something where it is up to the viewer to, to decipher, you know, what the scene is, but it's basically what I'm trying to do is trying to replicate what silent movie film stills look like. So I like the interaction between models. Uh, the people that I work with, they, uh, as the saying goes, models like to work with me because I give them a chance to act, and actors like working with me because I give them a chance to model. <laughs> so I'm looking for both when I, when I do casting. And as for the wardrobe, there are a few costume houses that I go to uh, one of the ones that I went to an awful lot, it started out as Valentino's Costumes, then they merged with other businesses, and it became the Costume House. They had just moved to a new location in the valley, and just on the border of Van Nuys. And so I was introduced to them by a mutual friend, and the person that runs the Costume House is an expert on it, and his name is Sean. And he, he I always say he's, he should be like on the antique roadshow for wardrobe. I mean, you bring in a style, and he'll tell you exactly where it came from, what it, what it was used for. And he just is an, has an encyclopedic knowledge uh, of uh, clothing, so he, he helped a lot. As for makeup and hair, it's kind of funny because not a lot of people really wore makeup in the 
late 19th century and certainly not until Max Factor started streamlining makeup for uh, Hollywood makeup for mass consumption. However, I never was really trying to go for accuracy that way. I was trying to go for old Hollywood accuracy. <laughs> so the wardrobe may be somewhat period, but also I, I, I'm also thinking it's got to look like something out of a silent film. So if it's a silent film of, say, a 17th century drawing board, I will go for the whole Hollywood version before I'll go for the 17th century. Right. Straight right. up authenticity and that's the same with makeup so i you know i believe that the makeup is uh is important and even though maybe people didn't wear lipstick you know in the 1880s and 1890s my models will because it's an old hollywood uh conception of the 1880s 1890s right yeah that makes sense that's i i feel like that's what makes them look so cool your photos have just such a uh yeah, it's just like a, a certain thing about them. And I, I guess I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But now that you say that, that is very much what it's like. It's like a photo from like an old silent movie or something like that. That's where I, that's the launching place that I start. from, And um, I've always been, you know, enamored by silent film. And I don't quite know why I'm, I'm drawn to it the way i, I I am. I mean, I love all kinds of genres, don't get me wrong. And I'm not even sure silent film is my favorite genre. But when it comes to visualness, I guess the silent film, because they relied so much on pantomime, and because I am uh, literally shooting still images that are trying to convey a story or convey a message, it seems that silent film is much more natural for doing that. Yeah, of course. Are you shooting a lot? Sorry, go ahead. A lot of the locations, their heyday was during the 19 teens, especially in in my book, Haunted by History, Volume 1. I mean, it starts in chronological order with the Hotel Del Coronado, which opened in 1888, and it ends with the Glen Tavern Inn, which opened in 1911. Now, the silent film itself didn't really... Uh, start appearing, uh, let me back up, silent film production companies really didn't start appearing in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area until around 1910. And then by 1915, the motion picture industry was establishing itself in Los Angeles. However, a lot of these hotels, obviously, if they're still around, they went through that period. They went through that uh, that old Hollywood, silent Hollywood uh, phase. And my book actually, in in doing the research, I was able to actually unearth a lot of, and connect a lot of old Hollywood names and personalities to these locations. So it has a lot more old Hollywood history than even I thought going into it. So the, the pictures become even more significant and more meaningful when, you know, you are shooting in a location where, Mabel Norman and Betty Arbuckle shot a Max Sennett silent film in 1915. You know, you're shooting roughly in the same areas. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's really cool. It's kind of a, it's a cool vibe to it. Yeah, definitely. When you're shooting, are you uh, doing digital or film? Digital. Uh, That way I can shoot a lot more. Of course. 
I I was trained as a photographer on film. I think I had a Pentax where I did my training in college. And uh, I, but I do like the digital format because it does allow for you to not bring some, so much lighting equipment. I tend to try to shoot in low lighting. I, I couldn't do flash if you, if you paid me. I'd have to look up how to do flash photography. <laughs> but, but see, I was trained to light for film. So that's what I do. And so when we're on location, I don't use flash. I don't think it really serves any real purpose for what I'm trying to do. But I do like to light for film and let the and then pose the uh the models a certain way. Uh and that that also helps create that ambience like this is a, a film still right. rather than right. a glamour photo shoot. Yeah, all those little things that it's like when you're looking at the photo, you can't really put your finger on like why it looks so right. It's like that's yet another thing. And as far as post goes, answering your question, I don't try to alter them too much. Uh, but what I will take out modern amenities like uh, no smoking signs, exit signs, uh a lot of uh, fire extinguishers, if they're in the shot, if I can't move them out of the way or the sprinklers overhead, then I just slightly Photoshop them out. Uh, that also helped clear the clutter and make the pictures a little bit more beautiful and a little bit more old, old-fashioned looking. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's talk about the paranormal side of this. Uh, I guess what came first, like chicken or the egg type of thing? Did you? Were you doing a vintage photo shoot at a place that was supposedly haunted and then all of a sudden you experienced something paranormal and that's what set off the whole thing in your head of like, wow, I should try to find other places that also are quote unquote haunted? Or had you already been thinking about the haunted thing and that's why you were doing a shoot there in the first place? No, that what you said first is exactly what happened. I was doing a photo shoot. Uh, it was a vintage photo shoot for another project I had in mind. It was an old Hollywood project, mind you. But uh, I needed a place that I, I wanted good bones, which means I wanted the decor and the architecture to kind of fit the period that I was trying to shoot in. And so I hired a model and brought her out there. I did hear that it was haunted. And so I took just very basic equipment with me, but I wasn't there to ghost hunt. I was there to shoot photos. The other, the equipment that I brought was just in case something weird happened, I want to document it. And so the, the location I chose was the Mission Inn in Riverside, California. And it's an old hotel. If you're, if you're not familiar with it, it was built to resemble a Spanish mission. Originally it was. And then it got modified and new additions were added over the years um, that kind of strayed from the old mission style, but it still was Spanish Gothic, and then it went Japanese in the 1930s, parts of it. Uh, and so it incorporated all of these different styles. And then that was the last addition was added, like, in the early 30s. So there, there's not really any major changes that happened since then. And so it's this time capsule that is 
brilliantly preserved. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous place. It's huge. And it is a place where you can enter and your imagination kind of takes off. So because of its Moorish architecture, because of its Spanish architecture and and different details, plus all the nooks and crevices and stained glass and, you know, anything you can imagine, fountains. Because of all of this, it was an ideal place to do kind of a, a small little vintage shoot set in the 1920s. So I rented the, you know, what I thought were the most photogenic suites, and, which happened to be on the top floor of the Mission Inn. And I had stayed at the hotel before and nothing ever happened. So, you know, I, I was doubtful that anything would happen here uh, uh, during this new shoot. But sure enough, things did happen. <laughs> and I'm glad that I, I had certain things handy because I was able to record my first phantom voice there. Uh, in fact, I didn't hear the voice. The recorder heard the voice. But prior to recording the voice, I had certainly heard movement going on inside my suite that uh, was very strange. I was alone in the suite, but when you're hearing footsteps and things being moved around, things being dropped on tables, and you know you're alone, and it's like one in the afternoon, so you're wide awake, and you have all your senses that, you know, I wish I was able to record those sounds. But after I heard the footsteps, I knew that something was up. So I grabbed my recorder, went upstairs, spent 10 minutes asking questions. And then I was absolutely stunned to have picked up a woman's voice afterwards. And this was just on a regular, just like a regular recorder that you left behind. Yeah, it was not a, not any kind of special recorder. It was just a digital audio recorder. Sometimes I used them to conduct interviews. Sometimes I use them to even give myself reminders, or if I scout a location, and a lot of times I will make notes to myself. But in this case, I had it, uh, and I just turned it on for 10 minutes, asked questions, felt silly because no one answered, heard no sounds, and, you know, I felt like I was just talking to myself or talking to air. Right, right. But, But sure enough, there was a faint voice. And I, I couldn't under, quite make out what it said at the time it, because it was too faint. Uh, but uh, later I was able to decipher that when I asked something to the effect of, can you come closer to me so we can talk? It seems like there's this very faint woman voice, female voice that said, sure, I'd love that. And then she said something incoherent. And then she says, I want to go home. Dang, that's so, so crazy. That, yeah, that knocked me out. <laughs> you know, when I heard that, I was like, wow, there, there is something to this EVP, these EVP stories. Um, I was always kind of skeptical of them, but uh, they do exist. And sometimes they do seem to at least appear to be answering a question. Wow, man, that's really interesting. So now after doing that shoot, is that what led you to start kind of crafting Haunted by History? Or was it like something else again after that 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 put you down that path? 
the latter. Um, certainly there were seeds planted during the mission in. I had never seen a ghost in my life. But on day three of being at the mission in, after recording the female voice, I saw something in clear view. Uh, it was a shadow figure. And uh, my eyes were pulling. My brain was actually put, putting a trick on me because I literally thought it was a shadow. And so I, I didn't quite question it for a, a few seconds as I'm looking down this hallway. I knew that there had been movement that I had seen out of the corner of my eye that made me turn and look down this hallway. But I couldn't figure out what it was. And just as I was looking at the shadow and thinking, what is causing that shadow? What light source is causing that shadow? Suddenly it, it moves very quickly around a corner, which shadows don't normally do, and disappeared from sight. And it moved somewhat human-like, but, but much faster than what a human could do. And it didn't quite look human, um, which is why it fooled me, my brain, into thinking it literally was a shadow. It was, it was darker than the other shadows, and that was, had made me a little suspicious of it. But it also looked like a hooded figure, which I turn, it turns out later that's what a lot of people, that's how a lot of people describe shadow people, is that they do look like a hooded figure. And it was short. It had to have been about 5'2", five, 5'3", five, off the ground. And it looked like it was crouching around the corner looking at me. But see, again, I don't know where my mental interpretation of the image starts and what, is, what, I, what it actually was. Right, because you have there. no footage of this, yeah. But I can say that it ripped around the corner, and I can say that up to that time, I did not, I mean, I did not believe in shadow people. I thought that was a myth perpetuated by the ghost hunting shows on TV, and every time I saw their footage, not that I watched them regularly, but when I did see them, when I saw their shadow people's footage, I always, you know, had explanations in my own head of what it could be. There was always that suspicion that it really isn't paranormal. Right. Or, I mean, that they could just be setting up their own show, you know, like they just have somebody over right. there. Right. In this particular case, I was alone up there. Uh, it was during the recession, so there was hardly anybody staying at the Mission Inn. This was in 2009, and it was in August. So the daylight, daytime temperatures were well over 100 degrees. And there just weren't a lot of people around. I think there were more staff than there were hotel guests. And the night that I saw my shadow person, I was the only guest staying on the entire fourth floor. Not that people didn't wander up there to you know, have a glass of wine, but we saw them, and it was very obvious what they were doing. This was you know, after midnight. It was very quiet and very slow. Again, yeah, I'd be surprised if there was even 50 people staying in that hotel. I would say it was probably more like 15 because there were days went by when I never saw another guest. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like I really had the hotel to myself, you know. And, uh, and I saw this, and afterwards, I was so stunned by it that I went home and my the rest of my family were were gone 
on their own little vacation. So I was home alone. And, you know, I emailed and wrote people, what is a shadow person? What is a shadow person? I got all kinds of crazy answers. Some were good, less crazy than others. Um, but none of them I thought were very satisfactory as far as explaining what I had seen. But I slept with a light on for about 10 days or so because I was <laughs> I like, bet. I didn't want whatever it was to follow me. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, <laughs> right. Until I knew what it was, nothing ever followed me. And, and I've since kind of concluded that shadow people are, it, it's just a lower form of a, uh, it's a ghost. It's a lower form of how they manifest, you know, um, higher forms or use of energy to, to appear, you know, involve clothing, um, and, and other details that can be seen, but kind of the lower form manifested manifestations are like smoke, mist. Then I think maybe the next layer up. It may be a shadow. This is all theory, but at least that's the only theory that makes sense to me. Right, right. So it was after that sort of time that you decided this might be something you want to pursue? I I next wanted to do a shoot at the Aztec Hotel, but the Aztec Hotel was really run down. And the Aztec Hotel is this Mayan-themed, Toltec-themed architectural building in Monrovia, California. However, I did love the building, and... It was supposed to be haunted, and sure enough, just in scouting, strange things were happening. So as I got to know the the, the owner, uh, I just she let me um, go into the basement late at night anytime I wanted to, and and so uh, I didn't abuse that. I went you know sparingly, but we were able to capture quite a lot of really odd sounds, and then unfortunately the Aztec Hotel thanks in part to the recession, uh, it got foreclosed on and went into receivership. That was really the final straw that made me decide to do a book uh, because these hotels are precious buildings, their history, their history that you can actually spend the night in. And even though they're haunted, they're really cool places to hang out, even for people that are afraid of ghosts. Right. Or, or think they're afraid of ghosts. But these, these hotels need to be promoted for what they are. And it, so the preservationist in me decided that, you know something, I wanted to do a book that celebrated the history and just celebrated these places. So I got the idea to do the book. That's such and a that's great why idea. I focused so that's why I focus so much on the history and trying to separate the the actual history from the ghost legends and then leave it up to the reader to decide how valid the, the ghost stories are. Um, sometimes if it's obviously a contrived story, I'll point it out. But for the most part, you know, I, I just try to present a uh, factually based account of everything. And I treat the ghost stories like a historian treats the history itself. You know, everything's footnoted. I try to find how these stories started, who started them, if I can, and how did they change? And who were the, who were the main storytellers that kept perpetuating these legends? And yeah. how did the hotel owners 
feel about it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, which is such a good point because I'm sure I, it with some of them, it wasn't at all it tried to be like a uh, promoted cool thing about their hotel. A lot of them probably tried to kind of sweep it under the rug. Now, when you're doing your research for your book or, or any other sort of haunted photo shoot that you're doing, what makes you believe that claims are true or not? Like you mentioned that in your book, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you believe that one is true and you, you know, you'll still include it anyways, but you'll just kind of say, yeah, this one, you know, might not sound that right or whatever. Like, do you need to actually see or hear empirical evidence yourself or just, it has to be with speaking to people in the area that enough things line up that you're like, yeah, this sounds more likely than not. Well, I will tell you that not all, not not every hotel that I shot in, uh, I believe is is haunted. Um, it may be. I can't say one hundred percent this place isn't haunted. What I can say is that nothing happened while I was there, and we tried. You know, we were shooting in haunted rooms all hours of the day and night. Uh, we were monitoring rooms with audio recorders when we weren't shooting overnight and just there were just no signs of anything it just was you know it just behaved like a regular room should behave so yet when you talk to their pr people or read you know articles they're telling stories that we just didn't we just didn't experience and there doesn't seem to be too many news stories or people coming forward and saying oh yes this happened to me Maybe people will come out once they read the book and tell me, but you know there just weren't a lot of people coming forward uh, with with their own ghost stories. So I do try to look at other people's evidence and and study it. But if there's no historical connection, I'm already going in jaded. So it better be really good evidence to to convince me otherwise. Yeah, and so places like that were left out of your book because of that. Not in, not unless someone comes forward with really compelling uh, data to to make me change my mind. You know, I use the word word evidence. I shouldn't use that word because evidence seems to suggest that there's proof that anything's haunted. Um, And there are plenty of skeptics and cynics out there that go, well, there's no evidence because there's no proof that ghosts even exist. So uh, I try to use the word data instead of evidence. It's a little bit more... uh, to the point of what I'm talking about. So I need to see data that seems to support the theory that these buildings are haunted. Right, right. Now, obviously the people at the Horton Hotel, like the owners realized at a certain point, and it sounds like the people at the Coronado Hotel realized at a certain point that this could actually be good for their business to have a reputation for being a haunted hotel. Um, I would love to talk about the like financial and business aspect behind uh, your projects and what you're doing because it sounds like for the most part it's basically like a, a passion project of yours something that you love but getting back to the very first shoot that you ever did um, it, it you were talking about how you paid to rent out multiple suites and stuff and it sounds like it would be a very expensive passion project if you were going around and you had to um, hire models and actors hire, hire makeup people pay for all the rooms like pay for equipment all this kind of stuff at this point, because of the fact that the hotels 
know that it could be a good thing for them to have a reputation being a haunted hotel. Are you like working with them and then maybe giving them some of the photos afterwards that you're also going to um, include in your book or uh, like, how does that side of it work for you? Cause otherwise I feel like it'd be such an expensive endeavor. It is an expensive endeavor. And that's exactly what I, what you just described is, is actually what I do. Um, every property is different. I, I try to make it very clear up front that this is what I'm here for. Uh, I don't get turned down too much, but every now and then, you know, there will be a hotel that just really doesn't want to, uh, to advertise. Um, and some very high prominent, uh, high profile hotels, like for instance, the Roosevelt hotel in Hollywood, very famous as a haunted hotel, but the current owners, uh, are a corporation out of New York city and they don't really, they're just kind of hoping that it'll go away. Hmm. Uh, so they don't want to talk about it. The problem with haunted hotels is as long as if they truly are haunted and people truly have weird things happening, those stories are not going to go away right. no matter how much you die. And that's what I try to explain to owners uh, in a tactful way. The best way to do it is, is, you know, learn how to market it and it will, it will serve you rather than work against it. Don't be afraid. I mean, there's no conclusive uh, evidence that I've ever seen that ghosts actually hurt business. Um, what usually hurts businesses are bad service, leaky roofs, poor plumbing, <laughs> right. rodent infestations. You know, it's everything but ghosts, okay? So... And a lot of, uh, there's a number of historical societies, I can't say a lot, but because I've never taken a full, you know, inventory of them, but there are, there are a number of historical societies that actually do believe that hauntings are good for business and that it should be marketed. The property manager should be aware of this, but they also should keep in mind it's better to control the marketing yourself than have someone else come in and do it. That's only in it for monetary reasons and kind of personal selfish reasons. Right. And, and, uh, so I will try to work with them if they're willing to work with me on it. Uh, a lot of the property owners aren't terribly savvy about their, the history of their own buildings. So, a lot of times um, I'll come up with new information that that they weren't aware of. And, and, and I try to be very upfront and transparent in everything that I do. Um, I'm hoping to get my money back because it is an expensive endeavor through book sales and other ancillary, uh, ancillary markets related to books, okay? Um, that's kind of what I'm banking on. Uh, as for photos, yes, I do share photos with locations if they want them. Uh, part of the reason why I insist on paying now uh, is because I want to show that I'm supporting. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Mm. I want to keep these buildings open. I want to. I want them to prosper. I do not want them to close down, and I don't want to 
take without giving back. That's really cool. So, so you know, there there is an ethical code that I follow. It keeps me poor, poorer than maybe <laughs> others would. But you know, it's important to me from from many different angles, and that's that's one angle. I mean, you know, you want to keep a sterling reputation as you can, because once you lose your reputation, it, it really never comes back. So, you know, I want to be upfront with with business owners when I can. Some of the big big hotels they don't really care one way or the other, uh, or they may start caring afterwards. But at the time, they certainly didn't care, you know. Um, but some of the smaller property owners, the bed and breakfast uh, owners, uh, or just the small hotel small hotels that don't offer breakfast, um, I have a much more interpersonal relationship with them. There's a few that seem like they don't really care too much about their their building or their history. Unfortunately, I won't name them, but yeah. um, but I do try to. My offer to help them is always out there. That's really cool, man. I love it. There's a lot of integrity there. All right, Craig, let's uh, let's start to wind this thing down. If uh, sure if you could, I would love you to tell us about how you feel like this has sort of changed your life, like. The fact that many years ago you um, sort of unknowingly went down this path and now have this book out and, and this has like become a big thing in your life. How how do you feel like your life has changed because of all this? Well, it's definitely changed. I in some ways I, I, I kinda it's weird. It's like I believe more in ghosts, but I believe less in ghost stories, if if that makes any sense to you. Um I try to be objective when going into these places and use critical thinking skills. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out if there is a correlation between a building's haunted reputation and its history. In doing that, I, you know, I, I, you know, I try to keep religion out of it, but, and try to be objective, but objectivity obviously is kind of a subjective, subjective word there's no real true thing as objectivity it's an attempt to try to disassociate emotions from everything but even your you'll find that there is always some kind of reason why you believe something a certain way right and behind that reason there's usually some kind of emotional attachment so i do the best i can when i was actually visiting one of the locations the owner said to me, after giving him this long spiel about, you know, objectivity and how I'm trying to just kind of figure out whether or not there's any truth to these ghost stories or not, he basically said, you're not searching for other people. You're, there's something else and something much more spiritual. Uh, you're out to prove something to yourself. And he said it in such a way, he said it much more beautifully than I'm paraphrasing. But he knocked me off my feet. I, tears started welling in my eyes. And I said, oh, God, you just saw right through me, something that I didn't even see. But he had hit an emotional cord. Now that this project, at least the first phase, is over, I can say that there was, despite all of my critical thinking and borderline agnostic 
uh, approach to everything, there was a sense of journey and a sense of just trying to find the truth, not just for others, but for myself as well. Because it was a massive undertaking, it was great to actually see it through to completion against all kinds of adversity uh, because it, it was five years of, of, you know, researching. And I did, while I did have a team that helped as far as editors, proofreaders, um, historical society researchers, you know, there was a small team that helped. It was a growth period. And I can say that I'm a lot more, uh, I'm just a lot more calmer now. I feel like I got my answers. There is such a thing as the paranormal. I may not be able to explain all aspects of what that entails, but there does seem to be enough data to support the theory that there is some kind of life after death. Hmm. And it also does suggest that a piece of history does linger behind in many of these places. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I love that. That's so great. Um, Craig, please, if you could, tell people where they can find your images online, uh, where they can follow you. These images are, like, people have to have to follow you if if for no other reason than to see these beautiful photos that you take. They're amazing. And then uh, please plug your book as well, because it's so cool. Okay, well, the title of my book is, my first book, I should say, is Haunted by History, Volume 1. It finally arrived in my hands in July of 2017, late July. It can be bought on my website, bizarrela.com. It will be available on Amazon after August 15th, 2017. And if you live in the uh, Southern California area, whether it be San Diego, Riverside, Temecula, Ventura, Santa Barbara, and certainly Los Angeles, uh, check with your local bookstores because chances are if it's a mom-and-pop brick-and-mortar store, my book will be there. And also stay tuned uh, to my website and my Instagram account, Bizarre. I think it's Bizarre Los Angeles, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and Facebook, you can follow me under Bizarre Los Angeles, but I will be making uh, announcements for future book signings and personal appearances. You can look at my photos on the Instagram account because that's primarily, that's what it's there for, Right, is to share my images. The Facebook account, I, it's more than that. I, I That's where I kind of go into my love for old Hollywood and old and and lost forgotten stories from Los Angeles's history. Um I think that's about it. You know, I mean I, I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Pinterest, I'm on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Gotta be. Well yeah, I'll uh in case anybody's driving or anything like that, I'll go ahead and put links to all that up on the show notes on half hour intern so you can link straight from there. Um man, Craig, this has been so awesome. What an interesting cool path you've taken in life and uh like a great project to work on and and again your photos are just so beautiful it's really it's really cool to have that accompanying the historical piece um it it just makes everything so much more rich and vivid for people to look at 
Oh, sure. Well, you know, when I walk through the hotel, uh, the hallways and lobbies of these old hotels, I mean, it's my imagination, you know, I, I try to imagine what life was like back then and the atmosphere. And, you know, I, I, I guess I see these places in a different way than maybe a lot of people do. So maybe by conveying these images and putting them and shooting them the way I do, it, it opens up. Uh, you know, it, it allows other people to see the hotel, these hotels in a different light as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I definitely feel that way when I look at it. So um, awesome. Craig, well, this has been great. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, sure. Thank you for having me anytime. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with Craig. Just wanted to remind you all that if you wanted to check out his book, Haunted by History, you can get it for $10 off as a half hour intern listener. Just go to his website, Bizarre LA, and you can use the coupon code half hour intern when you purchase the book and you will get $10 off. Thanks so much for listening.